Hello and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast, your source for school-based occupational therapy tips, interviews, and professional development. Now, to get the conversation started, here is your host, Jason Davies. Class is officially in session. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. My name is Jason Davies, and I'm so happy to have you here today. Today, we have on a very special occupational therapy guest. She is a school-based OT, and she's also an entrepreneur, and she has used much of what she learned as a school-based OT to create her own product. Many of you have probably already heard of the Ledger Liner. Well, today we're going to talk with Polly Benson, who is the creator of the Ledger Liner. She's only been doing this for about two years, but as you have probably seen, it is just an amazing product and she is selling out of them. They are so great. They help you to create lines on paper in a fraction of the time that you could with a ruler and a uh, pencil, as she talks about in just a little bit. So without any further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. Here is Polly Benson of The Ledgy Liner. Hey, Polly, welcome to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We actually met not too long ago at a St. Augustine entrepreneur. Well, it wasn't an entrepreneur class. It was an AT class, if I remember right. Is that correct? Uh, I've done both, so it could be either one. But it was a, <laughs> a grouping of OTs in business to talk to students about how they got started on the entrepreneur side. Yes. And actually, uh, Joe Friendly of Friendly Shoes was in there with us, and he's going to be on a podcast episode with myself as well. So great, great opportunity to meet new people, new occupational therapy entrepreneurs. It's it's fun to do that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started with a little bit about you. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your career as an occupational therapist? Okay, sure. So I have been practicing for over 30 years now. I went to Ohio State University and um, I started off in work hardening, work conditioning, kind of moved into some home health when my kids were born. And then eventually I did some inpatient rehab. And then most recently, the past 15 years, I've been in school-based OT. Awesome. You know, I want to ask you a question because I don't think work hardening and work conditioning is really a term that's used that much right now. And like, I don't hear OTs being in that role. So what was that like? So that was where I worked in a clinic and we had clients that had been hurt on the job and we helped to rehab them back to their job. So a lot of what I did in that job was job simulation and trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between, okay, this person's in rehab and they're rehabbing their arm injury or a leg injury or back injury, and then they have to go back to the job. And you can't just jump right back into eight hours of work. Uh, A lot of what we had was a like a truck driver, and you can't just go sit in a truck for eight hours and not expect to be hurting. So we would work on two hours a day with these clients that would come in five days a week, and then we'd bump it up to four hours a day. And then we did lunch breaks and we get them out to about six hours and then they were discharged from our program. Oh, wow. Talk about an occupation base. Like exactly. that's exactly what we do. Awesome. Love it. And it was so fun and being um, creative because I had to problem solve. How can I, you know, replicate driving and holding your arms up on a steering wheel or the bounce of the impact of a chair or you know, sometimes we would have a forklift driver. Well, that's extremely hard to replicate, but I could get 
to a local company and work out a deal where we actually borrowed a forklift and he would drive it in our back parking lot, you know, and we got some empty crates, those uh, skids, and he would move them from one end to the other. So just like where you're moving weights and you're working on carrying milk crates and helping these clients to become stronger, we did it with big equipment too. We just had an opportunity to be creative and problem solve and something I've always enjoyed. Wow. That sounds really, really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of the last physical I had to do before getting my last job. I had to go in and they had to, I had to lift up like a 50 pound, uh-huh. I don't know, cart. I was like, why do I have to do this? But whatever, I guess we work with kids and they want to make sure that we're not going to hurt ourselves if we pick right. up a, I don't know, how old, how old is a kid before they go over 50 pounds? Second grade, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> well, it depends, you say. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. true. So that was uh, kind of where you started, but obviously you did end up in the schools. Tell us a little bit about your school-based OT career, maybe some of your preferred parts of it and maybe some of the difficult times. Well, initially, I wanted to get into the school system because I had young children. So I wanted to, you know, pursue having a similar schedule, similar days off, similar vacation schedules, things like that. And so I had a company I had been working outpatient OT. And what I was doing for them was actually functional capacity evaluations. And sometimes I would go to the job site and help to modify a job site. Like if someone had a computer workstation, I might recommend equipment for them. So within that same company, I said, I would like to start doing some schools. And she had a couple school contracts that were coming open with a severe to profound school. So a lot of people in school-based OT are in regular, typical type settings. So this was a specific school for severe to profound kids. So my first experience, in fact, My first day on the job was quite eventful because we had a student with self-injurious behaviors, a helmet, and was like punching himself to the point of blood. And it was scary, but yet so interesting to me at the same time. And I just, I learned how to do the IEP process and I learned, you know, how we can incorporate functional activities into a school day and the function of being a student and how do you work with a special needs student that, you know, needs to learn how to write, but then also needs to know how to drink and eat. Um, There's other students that it was behavior and skills and social skills. And so it just really was a fun transition to move from adults to pediatrics and really see a whole different side of therapy. Wow. Yeah. That's very different from work hardening and working with adults to moving to a severe population with students who have a lot of needs. Right. That's a big change. So were you at that school for, well, are you still at that school? I guess I should ask. Uh, Yeah. No, um, that school is in Ohio and I was there about five years and then I transferred to Atlanta, Georgia. And so when I came to Atlanta, Georgia, I applied at the school that my son goes to and they had a contract agency. And so when I interviewed and got the job, when I started working with the, I was placed at a school where I was going to work with a therapist. And I said, well, I'll take all your severe kids and your, you know, EBD classrooms. And, and she was like, oh my gosh, have at it. You know, she didn't have a lot of experience with it. It kind of scared her, but I was coming into a school system with a lot of experience in how to deal with those severe behaviors. So That's kind of how I got my initiation in my current job, where I was working with the students that were severe. 
And then, because the little guys kind of scared me, I learned my way into the little pre-K and how do I deal with these typical children who, you know, it's one thing when an, an adult child or an older child doesn't listen, but with the little children, they're still learning how to listen, right? And they're still learning how to follow directions. And so that was quite an interesting transition and the way that I moved into that job too. But of course, eventually fell in love with so many of these sweet, sweet children and whether they had autism or Down syndrome or, or whatever their issue was, I just really found, um, found my place there with the kids. Gotcha. All right. So in that school-based realm, was there anything that you just truly felt was the difficult part of the job? Was it maybe the IEPs, all the paperwork? Was it a specific population? Was there something that was just always a struggle for you at all? I guess initially, it was more of dealing with the rules and regulations on what you could do in a school-based setting versus what was typical of a medical-based setting. So even though I had a lot of medical background, I had a lot of rehab experience, and then even though I was in a, a school at in Columbus that was a severe, profound school, there was still a lot of medical issues. So it was still somewhat of a medical model was okay because they were very much like, do whatever you can with these kids. We're just here to help them. So when I moved to Georgia and it was very much, it has to be in the IEP and it has to be school-based and we can't overlap with the medical outpatient therapist. So that was probably the most challenging thing initially. As time went on, then it was more about, you know, communicating with parents. So that's trying to get them to carry through and follow through on what we were doing in the classroom. So, but I always enjoyed the kids. I had great teachers. I was fortunate every now and then, you know, you try to get something implemented and it may take a while for people to buy on, you know, with your theory, but eventually they could see where OT was definitely helping students. All right. Perfect. No, I couldn't agree more with that. And and I think all the occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants right now, I think if there's one takeaway from the past year and the pandemic and whether you were doing treatments online for two weeks, two months or the entire past 16 months, we have had so much more communication with the parents. And I think that's something that a lot of OTs have taken away is that they've been able to communicate with those parents and see that that overlap and see them carry over things that they teach them and then come back a week later. And they say, they tell us like, yeah, we actually use that tool like every day for the past week. And you're kind of excited. So yeah, definitely. It's been, been a nice. plus for sure. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you one more question before we jump into the ledge aligner. And that is what were some of the tools that you used before you had a ledge aligner to help kids with handwriting? Okay. So yeah, we, um, I tended to take a typical approach where, you know, we did handwriting on paper, we did colored pencil, you know, we're trying to motivate these kids to enjoy writing. So I would had all sorts of different sizes of paper and thicknesses of paper and paper with yellow lines, paper with raised lines. We try to incorporate coloring and cutting, gluing, you know, fine motor skills, some type of warm up with a putty or building Legos and then fine motor manipulation. So, you know, as far as handwriting, I worked a lot on grasp and fine motor skills and my tools were limited to worksheets or papers that I had in the classroom. And I found that 
when I would send that student back to the classroom, that they ended up not always carrying through. So that was where I first had some challenges in, in the handwriting is carrying over into the classroom. And the student might have had a workbook like science or social studies workbook. And they had a box that was like, yay big, where you had to write mm-hmm. sentences and they would write one or two words and they ran out of room. So hand drawing lines for them, asking the teacher to draw lines, or I would give them extra paper. Like this paper is working really well in our classroom. Could you please have them answer these questions on this paper? And then we could see that the student would have that practice in the carryover. But what we didn't see was good organization skills. So a lot of the kids would lose their papers. And, you know, we tried, we even did things like dictating or copying, you know, you dictate into a phone and then you copy that on paper and email that to the teacher, you know, things like that. So just a lot of challenges with getting that carryover into the classroom. Absolutely. I think every occupational therapist is nodding their head with you right now because we've all experienced that. You know, you you talked about that box and, you know, teaching both the kid and the teacher, hey, can the kid just put like a number one in that box and then on a separate piece of paper, write number one and what goes in that box or something like that. Yeah. But then you do have that that organizational difficulties and the two papers get split up and they're never seen again (laughs) together (laughs) or whatever it might be. So, yeah, definitely. And I'm the same way. I've always tried to work with the teachers and I would always tell them, you know, at least add lines into those boxes, you know, especially with, um, what do they call them? Like the big bubbles. It's like a story bubble, right? You have one idea in the middle and then you have like paragraph number one in this bubble, paragraph number two in this bubble, right? Right. Uh, The graphic organizers. Yes. There we go. Graphic organizers. And they never have lines. Never. Right. Right. Man. So with that, go ahead. The perfect segue. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about the ledger liner. Yeah. So one day I was just thinking, you know, we just, we were hand drawing lines. So I was trying to draw with a ruler, a solid line, a dashed line and a solid line. A solid line with a ruler is not that hard to draw, but a dashed line to draw it quickly where it's not too big or it doesn't make the, you know, the student can actually use it as a handwriting line. And then the next line I would draw and the space between the middle line and the baseline or the middle line, the top line was different, you know, and, or it'd be crooked or whatever. And so it just was such a hassle. And I did a lot of crafting um, when my kids were little and there was stamp called a rollograph where you rolled a stamp line like pizza cutter. So I have one here to show you. I know you can't see this on the podcast, but the roller would print patterns across paper and it was really fast. And I thought, why couldn't I get a roller made with handwriting lines? So instead of a paisley or instead, it was always a repeating pattern instead of a Florida lay, let's do handwriting. So I contacted a company that did custom rollographs and I had a rollograph made with handwriting lines. And uh, it was not cheap. It was like $30 plus shipping. And so, but I had one and I knew that it was just what I wanted. And so I started taking that into the classroom and it's a self-inking stamp. And so I would just roll out some papers really quick on that graphic organizer. And I had people's like teachers jaws dropping, like, where can I get one of those? And, and 
my intent initially was just for myself. It wasn't really to sell them. And I'm like, well, I can't really sell something that's $30 and market what market up to 60. I mean, that just wasn't in the works. Right. So I just kept using it and saying, well, it was a custom one I had made and so a lot of great feedback. And a lot of people said, you should patent that. You should patent that. And I'm like, well, I can't patent a rollograph. It's already patented. But you know, maybe I should design something that is similar that would be a self-inking rolling stamp to draw handwriting lines. And so I went down the process of um, applying for a patent and I got a provisional patent. And then I had a year to come up with the design and figure out how I was going to manufacture something when I had no business experience at all. So that was um, quite quite a year that I, I learned so much in that year on how to move from a patent pending prototype to an actual product. Absolutely. That's amazing. And yeah, I know none of you listening can see the item right now, but uh, be sure to check out the social media pages for OT Schoolhouse, probably even Legiliner, and you'll probably see a, the original version. And we'll actually put up a picture with the comparison between the original and the current version. So, Sounds so great. Yeah. it's a good comparison to see. All right. So you actually went through a lot of that pretty quickly. I'm going to have you break it down a little bit more. And I want to okay. ask you, do you remember a particular moment or, or maybe even a particular conversation that you had with maybe someone you were working with, your husband, whatever it might be, that you just knew you had to create this item? Yeah, I guess, you know, there was enough feedback from teachers and OTs that I just knew that it was something that I want, I finally decided I want to do this before someone else does. And so as I went down the process of figuring out how to get something made, I had a prototype in my head and trying to get it on paper. I could not believe that this did not exist anywhere. And so I ended up researching and found on the internet a security stamp. And it was a rolling ink stamp that drew out patterns to black out people's names and addresses and account numbers and things like that. And I was like, that was more of the size I was looking for. And it was more of the style, pretty much exactly what I wanted. But I needed to figure out now, how do I get a custom one made? And so that spinned off a lot of samples that I ordered and looked at and decided I wanted something high quality. I didn't want it to fall apart. I didn't want the cheapest thing out there, but I knew I was going to touch my name to it. So I came across these security stamps and ordered some. And in order to get my own pattern, all of a sudden the cost was you had to get a thousand minimum. And so that was a big like moment where I was like, okay, this is a commitment now. And do I want to order a thousand in a custom pattern and told my husband, I, I said, I'm, I want to do this. And I've got this patent pending. And, you know, the, all of that could kind of happen behind the scenes. I didn't tell him until after I paid for the patent that I was working on a patent. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? So I kind of jumped the bullet on that one a little bit. But anyway, so I, he said to me, okay, hold on, hold on. I don't know if this is going to be successful. But he said, if you can sell 100, pre-sale. Like if you can talk to your friends and teachers and whoever you know and sell a hundred, then that'll give us some seed money and get some feedback. And then 
I'll let you order them. So that's kind of where we started. And I created a website and I put it out there. And there's actually a group I think you and I are both a member of on Facebook, OT, PT, school-based OT group, and put it on there and just had a couple friends buy it up into that point. And then all of a sudden that day, like it was like, ding, ding, ding. And I was having these sales and I'm going, okay, this, and my husband's like, okay, that might work. I, I think we're, <laughs> we're good with this. So, you know, we'll, we'll let you move forward. So I ordered my first thousand and um, the pre-sales were still kicking in. So it was kind of like a, a Kickstarter, but I did it on my own. And then after I'd sold, I forget how many exactly, but I was like, okay, I, I really want three sizes. I don't think as an OT, I work with so many children that one size does not fit all. And so that's where I immediately, before I even had my first shipment, I ordered sizes two and three with that seed money. And so we had all all of them come at one time. So, and that also saved on shipping. There's big difference between um, shipping locally and internationally versus having freight. That was a whole new world to um, explore as uh, different freights and freight prices and bigger, bigger shipments. So yeah, yeah, quite the learning process. That all scares me a little bit. And that's why all of my <laughs> products are completely digital still. <laughs> yes. So you have to use your sensory calming and you take one breath at a time and one step at a time. And that's what I did. I was like, okay, what's the next thing? And okay, I find I find a new term that I had to find the definition for. So, mm-hmm. okay, what's this mean? And I contacted somebody else that I knew did shipping. And I'm like, okay, explain the difference between freight on board and, you know, what's the less than truckload. And, you know, I had no idea what these mm-hmm. terms were. And now I'm helping other people to understand all that. So. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And wait, thank you. I remember all of that happening on the Facebook group. Obviously, I didn't know you back then. I didn't know all the behind the scenes going. I kind of figured you were doing something like this because obviously you weren't just going to order 5,000 pieces without having anyone ready to order one. Um, But I remember that happening. I remember the Facebook group and I remember it quickly. I mean, everyone was very quickly like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want one. I remember going to the website and seeing it sold out. I mean, <laughs> I got lucky. My district was able to get me a few. I, I don't know how they got them, but they got me a few <laughs> yeah. relatively quickly. But yeah, yeah that's that's so awesome. We, listed, we started in May of 2019 and then I ordered in June and they came in July. And it was about October that then I went down the path of how do I list something on Amazon? And there was a lot more to it because I'm my own brand. It wasn't like I was listing a product that already existed. So I had to learn how to get barcodes and I had to learn how to put barcodes on packaging. And I had to learn how to package it to ship it to Amazon and do Amazon Prime. So we didn't end up doing the Amazon Prime until 2020. But in January of 2020 is when I sold out. So um, some people got a hold of the Amazon listing and shared it. And it started to just share like crazy. And within, I think it was a day and a half, I had about 4,000 orders and I did not have 4,000 stamps. So (laughs) that was a, that was a really fun day. It was right the day before my birthday and kind of it ended on my birthday. And it was like, wow, happy birthday to me. This this is definitely going to be something that's going somewhere. So um, that, that added some validity to it as well. Yeah, I bet. 
So you've given us a little insight into the experience from just being the owner of this item and selling it to people. Do you recall maybe a specific reaction from a teacher or from a kid even that first time that you showed it to them? Like, what was the first time that maybe a student, you rolled it out and the student's like, I don't know. What experiences have you seen that just kind of made you feel really good as an OT that developed this this product for a kid? Yeah, I mean. I would say the feedback's 99% positive. I mean, I've had like teachers say, thank you so much. This is awesome. I've had students enjoy drawing their own lines. But I think in, in relation to your question, you know, when I've had students working with the ledgy liners and progressing through, so I have 13 different patterns now. And to be able to see them to move on to a new size, they get very excited about that. And they're like, are we going to draw those ledgy lines? Can we draw ledgy lines today? And so asking questions like that has been very rewarding. Having friends that I don't even know have said, oh, I bought one for my niece or my grand. Like I just put it on my personal page. And to hear people say that running into other people in Facebook groups, and I might recommend a ledgy liner and a coupon. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're the owner. I'm like, yeah. And so they're floor that I'm just like you and I am in this group and I am sharing ideas and I am hopefully helping you and you're helping me. And I started like an ambassador program and working with people that just want to share the ledgy liner because it has helped them and their students and for no other reason, but just to help and to get the word out there. And so we're continuing to grow. We're hoping someday to be on Shark Tank. We have applied. Mm. So fingers crossed. That's one place we, we need to scale. We need to get the word out and we're still growing them. So you can say me, you knew me when, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, if you need to so. send in a podcast to them to uh, get some cred, uh, you know That's where to right. send them to. <laughs> right, right. All right. So I was browsing your website a little bit earlier and I saw that you guys have a mission on there. And I wanted to ask you a little bit if you could share your mission for the Ledger Liner with everyone listening. Yeah. So, you know, it started off as, you know, I really wanted to help kids to have a tool that they wouldn't be embarrassed about. So pulling out a big piece of adaptive line paper could be embarrassing for a student. Like they're in third, fourth, they're in later grades, and they're still working on handwriting. And so that can be an embarrassment and trying to give the teacher a tool that she could quickly draw some lines where he wouldn't really be different. He could still work in the workbook or he could still work on the same worksheets. We didn't have to adapt too much and, and give them extra paper. So the idea initially was also to empower the student to have a love for handwriting, but to empower the teachers so that they could just be able to have a tool that could quickly draw lines for any student that needed. So, you know, with UDL, um, Universal Design for Living, it's all about creating accommodations for kids that everyone can benefit from. So something like where we would draw lines on a worksheet, she can then make 15 copies and everybody can use lines. You know, on the younger grades, uh, kindergarten, first grade, where they're all working on handwriting, it allows you to adapt the other subjects. We can use them for math and working on numbers. And so really want to empower the teachers and the students to have a love of handwriting. I had quite a few ADD kids and some boys that just could not stand handwriting. And so 
you know, it was forcing them to copy or to do a writing assignment. So allowing them to at least draw the lines was fun, first of all. But then to have them, we've come up with a lot of creative ways on our Facebook group to have them practice handwriting without seeming like it's just paper and pencil activities. And they might draw the line on a project, construction paper, on a box, on cardboard. You know, where can they draw the line? And can we've had people come up with some great ideas, like draw a ledgy line and then cut down the dashed line. So it's a cutting guide and teaching kids how to cut. and you know, being able to write in color, rainbow writing, trying to do, I I give out uh, free worksheets every week that are adaptable to use with many different ledging liners. So that's kind of where the empowerment piece came from. And then because it was successful, I wanted to give back to my community. So I like to give both financially to special need community, to dyslexia, to um, autism foundations, things like that, giving back the money to these organizations, but also giving away a lot of ledgy liners. I love to give away. I love to just find someone that's posted something on Facebook and they were struggling with their student. I'm like, I want to send you a ledgy liner right now. Like just send me your information. And so my heart goes out to struggling writers, kids that are struggling, parents that are struggling with getting them to follow through. And also just financially, I've been blessed and I want to turn that blessing around to other people. Yeah, you know, and I did see on your website, actually, right at the top, I think it says that you donate a certain percentage back to students with special needs, right? Yeah, so um, it does say 10%. I actually have been giving more than that. And um, I'm proud of that. But I do try to give at least 10% back to the community. Um, I'm actually trying to work on a handwriting club program right now where I just want to sponsor. So if there's some therapists listening that want to do a handwriting club this summer, I'm willing to give you funds if you're willing to run it. So I have a few resources. I've done handwriting clubs and handwriting camps in the past, but I want to financially support other therapists. So if someone's, if money is the issue and is holding somebody back, please tell them to contact me. I would love to get more involved in sponsoring handwriting clubs. Definitely. Wow. That's amazing. I have been seeing on the Facebook groups that people are getting, I mean, entrepreneurship right now is just like the it thing. And people are looking for ways to to do side hustles. And I've been seeing a lot of a lot on the Facebook groups, just like, hey, thinking about doing something this summer. Uh-huh. And I know people are, are looking at handwriting clubs, starting a website or whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah. Hit up Polly. <laughs> yeah, you can exactly. see her. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure, and you're going to give out your information in just a little bit, but we'll make sure that it's all in the show notes. So just visit the show notes for this website, and there will be a link to the email, her website, and all that. So awesome. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Another question about the ledger liner. And, you know, stamps are not a new thing. And you've talked about this a little bit, um, how you had to go kind of go out of the way to get this large thing, and it costed 30 bucks. But why do you think it took so long until 2019 for a teacher or an occupational therapist or something to kind of have the mindset to do something like this? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, for me, I started thinking about this back in, it probably was 2013 or 14. And I just, I was like, I wish I could just create a stamp, but I never went down the path and made that first step. So I think as OTs and problem solvers, you know, we know what needs to be done or what needs to be created, but we don't ever think, oh, I could do it. And I think it's the confidence in trying to take the next step. So 
you know, it, it was an overwhelming emotion for me to feel like, how can I get from point A to selling, like to point Z, you know, (laughs) how do we get through all that? And it's, it's a big task. And so it was just take a deep breath one step at a time. What's the next thing I need to do? So I just started contacting stamp companies and can you make something for me? And have you ever heard, have you ever, you know, do you sell self-thinking stamps? And, you know, we had made hand stamps for a lot of students that needed to stamp their name. So they couldn't write their name, but they would do some type of a signature and we would transfer that and make that into a hand stamp so they could sign their name. And it's like, okay, well, I could do that. Why? And it just started rolling from there. Let's get the custom stamp. Let's do handwriting. And I remembered the rollographs. And when I first was trying to design my own, I was trying to design it like a pizza cutter. And that's what the rollograph looks like is the pizza cutter. But, you know, it didn't have a lid and it didn't have anything. And I wanted something that was self-contained and that would cover the ink so it wouldn't dry out and it wouldn't get all over the place. So, Wow. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I don't, I don't know why it took so long. And yeah, so many people say, I wish I would have thought of that. Or why didn't we think of that? Or we should have done this. And it's like, yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely a feel good feeling when you, when you hear that. Yeah. Now anyone listening, you just got to take that own, your own idea that you have right now and just know you got to go for it. Um, Two things real quick, Polly. First of all, it took you five years. It sounds like from that original idea to Mm -hmm. actually build up the momentum and, and go for it. So for anyone listening, yeah. I mean, if you th- feel like you've been sitting on something forever and it's only been two years, it really hasn't been that long. There's still a lot of time <laughs> ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, Polly, I'm sure you've already figured this out, but you're not to letter Z in the list of things you have to do, as oh, I'm sure, sure you figured out now. <laughs> right, right. There's still more to go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're you might be around letter to... J or something. You've got a lot yeah, to do, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, you know what, we're, we're getting close to the end now, but I want to ask you this, skill. What, what have you learned in this process hold, you know, from 2013 to today in designing, building, patenting the ledger liner that you think maybe a skill you've learned that's made you a better occupational therapist today? Can you think of something that's just really helped you be even better today than maybe you were back in 2013 or before? Well, I think one thing that I've morphed into over the years is a a giving person and always trying to think about the other person versus myself. And I think working with special needs has really taught me that it's not about me or my schedule or my agenda. It's about you. And I think that one of the things I really try to promote within my business is good customer service. I try to you know, replace something that might have got damaged in the mail or lost in the mail. I mean, when I went viral, lots and lots of packages were lost during COVID. And I tell everyone, well, it must have got quarantined and it never came out of quarantine. So, I mean, I'm a therapist too. And I would want someone to treat me that way. I would want someone to replace those items that got lost by the mail system, you know. So that's kind of my goal is to treat other people how I would like to be treated and I'm not a big box company that sees you as, you know, dollars. I see you as a therapist, a teacher, you're struggling. You know, one of the things that I designed with my um, half of my stamps are refillable ink. So I kept it in mind that I didn't want something that would only last a couple months and then run out of ink. And so it is an oil-based ink. I'm still using some of my original ledgy liners. Um, 
they have not dried. As long as you cap them, they don't run out of ink. And I have a video that I'll be posting of, I was in the hallway of school one day and went up and down and back and forth this big, long piece of butcher paper, making my little roads, you know, some, some people call them the little roads as they, you know, adaptive handwriting lines. And we did over 15 passes and it was, it was probably 100, 200 feet long of paper. And so it, it was a long piece of paper and it didn't run out of ink. Like, and you could stop and I had to stop. I had to take, I was on my knees up and down the hallway. So I had to stop. But then as I started again, it was dark again. So it's, it's like a sponge that has the ink in it and has to kind of reabsorb, but um, they do last a long time. And, and six of them are refillable. And it's important to me that it's cost effective for the teachers and the students, but I want you to see the value is not just in selling the stamp, but sharing my OT knowledge with you and creativity. And so in our Facebook group, we've got lots of creative people that post new ideas and ways to use the ledgy liners. And um, like I said, for the cutting, we use them to draw roads and little maps. Um, We have one that's a number line. And my initial thought behind the number line was just a number line. But someone said, well, why couldn't you use the spaces between the tick marks for writing? If you're working with an older student that's working on spacing their letters, draw a number line. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant, you know? And I do try to listen to the feedback that I get. I have an ambassador program where they do give me some feedback on ideas that I have. Um, We're working on an exciting new stamp that I can't tell you (laughs) about, but if you uh, people listening want to follow me on Facebook, you might get some glimpses of some new stamps coming out, hopefully by the end of summer, but we're working on a new patent for something that therapists frequently use in handwriting. And, but I do listen to feedback and suggestions. And I had someone suggest the boxes and we made the the ledgy boxes, which is a a three quarter inch box, like the handwriting without tears, but we're using them to color patterns and make games and not just for copying, but for numbers. And um, I had someone suggest making the squares. And so Uh, We have small squares coming out this month. That's our newest one. And I had a speech therapist say that she wants to use it for data collection. So how awesome is that? Is that it's not just for writing and they're not just for, you know, number line or music line, but they're for other options. And there's, there's just a lot of versatility to them. And I love hearing the creativity that people come up with. Yeah. And, you know, I had a question earlier and I skipped over it, but I want to get this out there. How have you seen teachers, kids, therapists using this in the classroom? Are you seeing some teachers or schools order one per kid, or maybe are they potentially getting one per classroom so that all the kids can share them? I know half of the time you've been selling them, we've been in pandemic, so that's obviously a little tricky, but um, what, what do you think would be a great way for a school district or a school to potentially implement this? Yeah. So typically what I see is more of a classroom set. So the classroom might buy two or three and within a range of the ages that they're working with. Uh, I've got therapists that buy them kind of as needed. Being in the ambassador program, the ambassadors can earn some free ones. And so they can earn the extra sizes. And then whenever we come out with a new one, we do send those to the ambassadors ahead of time. You know, I think um, one of the things that I also learned as an entrepreneur is how to accept a purchase order. So many people were like, 
can we get on your, can you be an approved vendor so we can buy these for you? So I'm an approved vendor on lots of schools lists and um, figuring out how to accept purchase orders has helped them too. So I've seen OT departments buy 30 for their 30 OTs and then the OTs go out and use them and then the teachers see them and then they want them. And so we provide um, discounts, uh, codes all the time for bulk discounts or, or we have on our webpage, if you're just a single person and want to buy a few of them, we have an option to bundle our, our ledgy liners. So instead of just paying $15 for one, you can bundle and save 5% on two or 10% on three. So as a frequently as a gift to different influencers and different people, we offer a discount. And I think you and I talked about that a little bit before. So we do have a 10% discount for your listeners. And so they can just buy one at 10% off and try it out. So that's the benefit of having a connection like that. Awesome. And I think you said that that promo code will be OT Schoolhouse, one word, all capital letters, right? Right. OT Schoolhouse, all one word, all capital letters. <laughs> and you can do that at legiliner.com. Right. So you enter the code at checkout. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And I just want to second what you were just saying, though. That's exactly what I was doing as far as as an occupational therapist walking into a classroom saying, hey, teacher, check this out. This is awesome. I got my hands on it. Sorry. No, I can't give it to you because I only have (laughs) one of each. But I would show it to them. And, you know, I can't I can't force them to buy it. It's on them if they want to get it, which they all like it. It's on them to go a little to the next step and say, hey, principal, hey, special ed department, whatever it might be, I'd like to order some. But yeah, I recommend at least having your own personal set as an occupational therapist. And that way you can can share the benefits. Real quick, you've already mentioned, I think most of them, but how many total are there now? Um, The 13th one comes out this month and I have on my Facebook page, a special little discount that might have to do with the number 13 (laughs) on a pre-order for that one. So that one is the small squares that it's just a single line of squares. Our boxes that we use as a double line intended to be like, we're going to write out what you have to direct copy and then the student can copy below. And then as they progress, they can do two lines of text on their own. But we came out with that idea for 10 frames. So in kindergarten, they use 10 frames for math. So that's why we came out with the boxes. But yeah, um, we started off with just the three adaptive line patterns. We moved into two solid uh, lines like they use in handwriting without tears, the three-eighths inch and the one-eighths inch. And we came up with music lines. And now we've added a worm line, which has that fourth baseline to show students where to stop. Uh, We just added dotted third and double stack most recently. So those were both added in uh, March and April. And the dotted thirds is a lot of times used in cursive. So the dotted line is where they call it the go through line. And the top line and bottom line are solid. And so that's the stop lines. And so that's been really um, efficient for cursive. And then I, I also have a spaces. So the spaces stamp can help students to space one letter at a time. It's a one inch. It is my tallest stamp at a one inch height. And when kids are beyond the spacing needs, then the therapists are flipping them upside down and having a broken top line because you really don't need the solid top line as much as you need the solid baseline. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, lots, lots of options. And like I said, follow me on social media. You might, we're all excited about 
one that's coming up hopefully by the end of summer. That is exciting. Awesome. Well, Polly, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I want to give you just really quickly a chance to share where you think people can go right now if they want to learn more. Is it the website? I know you mentioned social media. Do you just kind of want to maybe share where are are they all at LegiLiner? Yeah. So if you go to my website, legiliner.com, um, you'll see a pop-up on there where you can join my email list and I'll, I won't spam you, but I will send you a set of five emails to kind of tell you a little bit more about Legiliner and where you can connect with us on social media. I am at Legi-Liner on Facebook and Legiliner community is our group where we share all the fun ideas. Uh, I'm not as much of an Instagrammer, but I do put out a worksheet every Wednesday. And so you'll see a post on Instagram. I'd love some Instagram followers. I'm hoping to maybe by the end of uh, 2021, get up to the uh, 10,000 followers so I can do the swipe up. I guess that's (laughs) the level that you hope for. Um, We have about 15,000 or more on Facebook that follow us. And so, yeah, those are the the two main places is um, the Facebook business page, the Facebook community group and Instagram. But if that all comes in the series of five emails. So if someone just wants to go to my website, legiliner.com, then they will get that series of five welcome emails and they will hear from me. So they also get like 150 tools that they can use or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as a thank you for signing up for my email list, they get a list of 150 themes that you can use for teletherapy. And a lot of times you'll see my worksheets are following those themes. So we're putting out more and more worksheets every Wednesday that follow those themes and we're adding more to the themes as we go. So it, it gets you a lot of uh, value for that too. Awesome. Love it. All right, Polly. Well, thank you so much for coming on, sharing a little bit about you, your background, and of course, the Ledgy Liner. I look forward to to using my Ledgy Liners and I'm sure many people listening are, are thinking the same thing too. So thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That is going to wrap up our episode today. Thank you so much to Polly for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about her background as an occupational therapist, as well as all of the time and energy it took to create a tool that all of us are using nowadays. Really appreciate it, Polly. Thank you so much. Thank you also for listening to this episode. Really appreciate you being here. And don't forget to use promo code OTSchoolhouse at legiliner.com for 10% off your first order. All right. Take care and have a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the OT Schoolhouse podcast. For more ways to help you and your students succeed right now, head on over to OTSchoolhouse.com. Until next time, class is dismissed.